You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Mac. And I'm Vaughn. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. Well, here we are. Uh, another Tress episode. I'm not as far as I said I would be. I said I'd be another 20 in. We'd be around 40, but instead I'm only another 10 in and we're at 30. It's cool. A lot of cool things happened. A lot of cool things happened. A lot of discussion uh, is going to happen, essentially. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I'll i be done. This is only going to be three a three-episode book here. So I will finish it and be ready to go by the end of next week because I am super-duper hooked. And I finally have time to sit down and be able to listen to some of the books. So it'll be great. So uh, whereabouts are you? What's happened so far? All right. The final thing it ended with, all right, was um, essentially the first experience with uh, the captain, essentially, uh, revealing that she's a spore eater. Oh, which, crap. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> well, we, already, we already knew. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a spoiler yeah. episode. Yeah, this is a spoiler episode, but, <laughs> you know, we're in it now. But, yeah. Um, they, they went for the second ship since Tress has been on there. It was revealed that the captain's a spore eater, which is kind of crazy to me. It's like this person apparently has a bond to the Aether that is on one of the moons. And, uh, it's essentially a parasite that's feeding off of her water. Yes. And, uh, it's terminal. She's going to die eventually, but she, she seems like she has a plan or she has something she wants to do, which I can only assume involves... Um, either the sorceress or the dragon that they just like mentioned off randomly being in the Crimson Sea. <laughs> I love that the um, dragon, you've gotten to the dragon. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Literally, it was just something along the lines of, you don't go in the Crimson Sea. Why? That's where the dragon is. And that's literally it. Um, so, okay. So that's kind of where I am with that. I think the exact last thing I saw was, um, I haven't seen the aftermath of it, but... Tress had just decided that she needs to use the 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 midnight spores. Okay, so do you know what the midnight spores do? So, to an extent, yes. So I listened to like the first like literally fifteen seconds of the of chapter thirty one, and that's only because my theories in the last episode we talked about mentioning bonds, and it immediately was like, I don't think you know what the Lou Hill bond or something like that says. Mm. I went, that's why I was like, okay, I gotta listen just just a little bit of this. So apparently there's like like a Luhil bond and like a a Nihil bond. A well, Nihil? it's I, similar to the Nihil bond, which you know our Cosmo people will know is yeah yeah yeah. It's <laughs> like yeah, we understand that. But so that let's start there because that goes back to my theory, right? In the last episode, I talked about there has to be some sort of bond, right? And I compared it to uh, Trinity because I think that the cognitive shadows there, the shades. I feel like they have something very similar to what's going on with um with like the, the spores and such. It's just that there has to there must be a bond there where whatever these shades do, they go after someone, they want someone's blood, blood draws them, right? And so it talked about how the Luhil bond is a like a physical exchange. And so I feel like that might be it. That might be it. There might be a Luhil bond there somehow, some way, some way, shape, or form. That that's why blood draws them, that's why they go, and that's why when they grab onto someone, it seems to just drain them of all fluids in there, right? It drains them of everything, and they kind of rot away. And you're going like, oh, but if it's already got drained, why does silver fix it? Well, as we can see through the bonds with uh, with the spore eater here, that 
they somehow can just pull water out and it somehow feeds them far away. So it would make 100% sense to me that if a shade touched you, it's time sensitive. When you drop the silver on it, it cuts that bond. And so all of it returns to you. I think that's a really neat idea. I, I hadn't even thought of anything like that. So I, there's theories. <laughs> um, but yeah, so going from there, let's kind of talk about it. So a spore eater. I obviously, you probably know more than me about that. I just now realized that. But literally, these spores like pop out to protect them. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think then, was I wrong then? Is this actually like, this isn't like a magic system. This is just like a relationship, at least at this point from what I'm seeing. It's like a parasite. I love how like you initially jumped into like, oh, she's from Taldane and it had something to do with like her using her magic. I was like, I hadn't even made that connection. It seems very similar to me, right? The right. spores come down from the moons on the Aether and in Taldane, the sun revitalizes the the sand. So it's like... Well, it's also, it's uh, it's organisms on the sand, like a lichen yeah. on the sand. But yeah, yeah, same same idea. Same, yeah, same idea. They, they they store up the investiture and then you're able to use it. So it's like, at least, and um, we, we learned, I, I learned more about the sports, how they actually operate, where they have that bond, whatever the bond is, Luhill bond. They have that bond. I mean, am I saying that right? L- I think so. Luhill? Luhill? Something. something like that. But, um... Whatever it is, is the water allows them to, like, yoink the investiture. It's not like it's stored in them. It, like, lets them pull it in and then use it for growth. I like to think of it as, like, a catalyst, similar to, like, metals and allomancy. Yeah. Um, What spores do you know about so far? The Midnight, they talked about the Crimson Spores and how they're super dangerous, but they didn't say what they do. I know what the Midnight Spores do now. Um, uh, The Rosites, the Verdant... Uh, I forget the name of the And then the Explodey one. Yeah, the Explodey <laughs> one. And then, of course, Midnight. Those are the only four. But I, there are 12 Cs. So that's a lot of spores. Indeed. Um, but yeah, no. So what the heck are the Aethers, okay? <laughs> like, I don't know very much about this because I haven't gone... The one thing I haven't dug deep into is the whole idea of Dragonsteel Prime. I haven't gone super deep in that yet. And so maybe... Maybe that could be an episode in its own. Dragons, um, I think the Aethers are more of... There's a book called Aethers of Night uh, that were the that was oh. not published. I think that was where it was more mentioned or whatever. Well, then I have not read that one, so I need to. But uh, I'll, I'll talk more about my Aether theories once we're done because I don't want to like accidentally spoil things or reveal what's not there and all that stuff. Um, but before we were talking, you had some theory... You, you, yesterday, last... Um, episode you talked about how the sorceress may be an elantrian Mm -hmm. and you kind of doubled down on that yeah so we learned a lot more about the curses right i made this offhanded comment in the last thing about charlie being the rat that i think i think charlie's the rat i think charlie's the rat 100 percent at this point um because hoyd was having moments where he said he could be like lucid and he could fight against the curse and he had moments where he was able to say what he considered useful things although they were quite cryptic right Mm -hmm. and he points out the six stars which leads her to the midnight uh midnight spores and then he also points out talking to something that shouldn't be talking right Mm -hmm. and so it that so she ends up going oh that's huck right i'm gonna go talk to huck oh you're a familiar and he goes like i'm not a familiar right and she he goes i can't tell you 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 and he just kept going on with i can't tell you and he's like oh wait but we're talking about Hoyd. Well, if you can get him to talk about someone else, that might be a loophole. And he basically starts explaining, um, in like layman's terms, how to like loophole the curse. 
Right. I mean, so Huck clearly knows a lot about the curse. But here's the thing that got me, all right? Brandon prays Tress, okay? Brandon, or I see Brandon because Hoyd. Hoyd. Hoyd praises Tress and goes, Tress did something absolutely incredible. She didn't jump to conclusions. <laughs> and he went on about, you know, basically like joking and smacking around all these fairy tales and things that I was like, you know how many people, you know how many wars could have been avoided? You know how many this, how many that? You know how many people had exactly what they were looking for in front of them the entire time? And when I heard that, I was like, eh, you know, I was already joking about the, the Huck thing. I'm like, you see, he's kind of smacking on it. That'd be kind of funny. Until Huck started describing his family. He's like, describe his family, right? We all lived on a very, very small island together. You know, he says, the thing that got me, though, is he says, my family has convinced me to not talk to people like you. And when he said that, I was like, who does that sound like? That sounds like Charlie. That sounds like the Duke. That sounds like the family basically tell him. It makes sense. He's on a super small island. He's talking about a family, his family, how they don't want people talking to people like you. But I know you're better, Tress. I know you. I know that you just give me a good feeling you're a good person. And then he said the thing that really drove it the nail in for me, which was um, the sorceress has a way of light or it was either him or Horde. The sorceress has a way of showing you the way or to be extra cruel of showing you how to break your own curse, but not giving you the opportunity to do it. She wants you to remain sane enough to know you're cursed, even though despite that. And what would be worse, okay, than a rat that was trying to get back to where Tress was coming from, right? Because all he ever wanted to do, all Charlie ever wanted to do was get back to Tress in the first place. But he's coming back as a rat, and the worst part is he can't even say a word about it. So I, I, I'm 100%. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a gambling person, but if I had money, I would put it down right now. In fact, I need some extra money, so I'll put some money right down. Anyone want to take that? That, that, <laughs> that, that um, Huck is a hundred percent, hundred percent Charlie, and I, I feel like I know it. He's a, he's going to be an interesting character to keep an eye on because uh, things are going to start happening in the next few chapters. Which obviously, you know, you're going to finish the book by the next time we talk. Um, let me see here. So we talked about the spoiler reader. Um, and we talked about how the Aethers, you know, kind of work, uh, which, and that there's 12 C's and the Midnight C's the worst. Um, and did you, did we go over what the Midnight, uh, um, sports do? Oh, I, I don't think I actually did. I think I literally skipped that. You went all over. Uh, I went all <laughs> different over things. Um, they are, to my understanding, they create like a golem, like a construct that you are able to control. They're like, it's a symbiotic relationship that as long as you feed them. They will kind of listen to you and bend to your will. Golem's a good a good way I would put it. Yeah, a construct is what I thought. Like a familiar, but not but not a familiar in the way that the book says. Yeah, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so um, the whole idea is that like the the spores over there are just like there's so many of these things going around and the uh, the sorceress is controlling them. So mm-hmm. that's why it's the most dangerous place because there's literally like sentient things coming after you. Yeah, I love how they just like. Like who's she? she uh, Tress was talking to Ulam, and apparently in this world, it's just known that people come from other stars and other planets. Yeah, and Ulam's like, yeah, that's me. Like I'm one of those people, you know. And so that makes me think we must be super far in the Cosmere, in the Cosmere story here. We must be super far into what's going on, because they even discuss like spaceships. 
which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I admit I haven't looked at like what's the official like timeline that this is on. So, for example, it's I don't know if it's mentioned that if Hoyt says something about like Ulam's. I, I think I think it's around the six of the dust or like close to there because the reason I think that is because Hoyt and maybe you know. Maybe, maybe we don't know how long civilization's been on that planet. I forget the name for Six of the Dust, but he mentions like, are you like so-and-so? This isn't a story like so-and-so sailing around the world without an AVR. And I was like, wait a second. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so when I heard that, that lines up in the Six of the Dust storyline. That's where they are right now. They're well, sailing about and everything. To be fair, though, Marais had an AVR. No, but that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. We The only thing that I can't prove this 100%, but the only thing here is the fact that we just don't know the timeline of people on that planet because me and you had this discussion off uh mic before where when we saw that moment and i thought well what if you know it, like there's no planets on that or there's no humans on that planet yet but you can still get there somehow through whatever means and so they go there and they get the avrs but mm-hmm. there's no people there yet hmm. because the six of the dust we know on the timeline is way far in the cosmere and also i think it, is that the one that has its own perpendicularity and we they don't know how I think yeah, so. Like, yeah, yeah. What is it? Penji's finger? Penji's. Yeah, Penji's. And I think it's a. It might be a sentient island because there's at least an. Uh, it's a. It's a. Um, avatar of autonomy. So the thing here is, I and I want to say because in that book too, it discusses how essentially there's this idea, right, that there's some rule in place that the people from space, you know, yeah, they can't. That they can't trade or interact with you until you hit a certain point mm-hmm. in understanding, which, you know, that means that that Island was not Cosmere aware at all in that book. Well, I mean, other than the people who had came and they had dropped some sort of technology on it that they were like, Hey, you know, we want y'all to interact with this because then that will give you the knowledge to be to be open in the rules, essentially. Be fair game. Right, 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 right. And so when I was thought that, I thought that means that the that if that's the case, the people on that point are super primitive. Well, relative, mm-hmm, relatively, mm-hmm. are primitive, which means that, you know, if we're talking about the legends of sailing ground in the AVR and things like that, if we make the assumption, which I'm going to make at this point, that the primitive nature of the civilization at that point is sort of is in that case the humans are just there or they just now started sprouting up essentially that sailing story comes around at the same time as six of the dust which means potentially this story is around the same time as six of the dust well there are so there was a, there was an interesting reference uh did hoyd mention anything about ulam and the other Chandra? um so I don't think Hoyd has. Ulam said that he arrived after receiving Hoyd's letter. Okay, there is a throw, a kind of a throwaway line, where Hoyd says something about a shard and the the Chandra. Okay, N- nope, haven't got there. Then I'm going to leave that. Uh, I'm going to leave that up there. Okay, um, because it might make interesting an interesting idea of the timeline timeline a bit more. Um, Okay, so what events have happened? So she just found the midnight. She she just now sprouted the midnight uh, the midnight spores to go spy because apparently um, the helmswoman I forget her name mm-hmm. um, she confronted and called basically was like Tress is you're like the mask of the king which apparently oh. is like an assassin <laughs> or something like that. That's I haven't heard any more than just that. 
<laughs> this is so um, fun. But then she was like, we're going to go to the secret meeting. And Huck was like, oh, you know, before I told you everything, you know, they, they were talking about killing all the people at the secret meeting to get rid of them. And so she's like, well, I need to spy. But Huck might have been figured out because they have a cat on board now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they seem a lot more in the the know than the crew. So they trust was like, well, maybe they understand that uh, Huck's a familiar. And so if that's the case, I can't endanger him anymore. And I need to still spy. So she broke out the midnight spores. And that's like where I stopped. Okay. Um, we've also had like. They attacked, they attacked the crew, the other ship, and uh, that's when we learned that Crow's like a hell of a shot. And I'm trying to think, is that supernatural? Like, is that is that a part of what she is? Or is yeah, because she, she like sniped that guy. Yeah, is she just actually a hell of a shot? Um, don't know yet. But what I kind of want to know again is like, I kind of want to talk more about the Sporeider itself. Is like, again, this isn't a magic system, and at least like you know. In that sense, Ulam doesn't describe it as that. Ulam describes it literally as like a parasite. Yeah. So the spores or the connection with the aethers are like alive. And I mean, remember Twin Soul from uh, from mm-hmm. uh, the Lost Metal? I almost want to say it sounds similar to that. It's that's what it sounds like. Except Twin Soul sounded like he wasn't worried about it. Like it was a symbiotic thing, you know. Yeah. With... It, yeah, and it says it. This says it kills the captain, right? It's going to kill him. It's been terminal, no matter what on yeah. this planet. So I have this theory about that is like, does it come from the fact that maybe uh, Twinsel has access a- access to door? Is that is that something that could be so- satiating it? Well, what's interesting is that like these, um... I mean, that wouldn't make sense though, right? Because the whole thing is that they have the ability to pull the investor jar already. A- Aether does. They need the actual. Um, it's water to physical. Ca- yeah, yeah, they need the catalyst. And I don't know the nature of aethers and water. Um, that wasn't really well explored in the Lost Metal. Not um, at all. Yeah, not at all. Here it's different because it's like in Lost Metal is pure investiture. This is different. And what I don't know, and I don't know, I don't remember how they explain it, is if it could only be verdant spores that cause this, uh, or do like people have like you know rosites and you know dark you know the midnight. Now, I can't say this, but it would be pretty cool if that was the case. I don't know all the spores. I don't know how many more. Here, tell me this, because this wouldn't be really a spoiler, I don't think. How many more spores do we learn about? Do we actually get, like, in-depth knowledge on in this book? Do you know? I think the crimson spores are the last ones you learn about. Okay, so that's it. So what I was thinking when you brought that up, my immediate thought was, yeah, what if there are literal spores that just, like, they don't, they're not, you know. Like you said, what if Rosite just isn't terminal? right um that could be that could be the case but you would think that people would be looking for it or something like that like they might like seek that kind of power out yeah um, because rose art having the ability to just like spurt rosite from a, a drink of water would be pretty sweet yeah it would um it would be a magic system at that point it would be like getting these bonds whatever they, the Lou hill bonds it would be like the spring yes yeah, somehow forcing the Lou hill bonds and then suddenly there you go which they don't i don't think they ever really get into like how you can get infected either um one one thing I saw recently on Reddit about about Tress was they said this is this book was definitely written du- during COVID. Um, you have a bunch <laughs> of people who are isolated who have to constantly keep things clean, and and there's a deadly thing out there that you can't breathe in. They all they all mask up. <laughs> they all mask up, and they also um, they also even have uh, stimulus stimulus checks at some point. Oh, I forgot when okay. that happened. I forgot. I was like, "Oh yeah, there was a talk." About, I remember someone talking about like stimulus payments or something like that for isolation. 
but um yeah you got this is a really really neat part there's gonna be like you you've just started one of my favorite plot lines which is the king's mask um that's that that one's that one's super fun when it comes to an end um and then uh the dragon that was way more interesting than i expected it to be and i expected the dragon to be pretty darn interesting um so you're going to be coming into some of the really really neat points uh are there any other things that you kind of want to talk about address or go over because i again you you've you've hit a lot of the like uh points that i would have expected you to hit uh at this point so this is like this has no ground i think this is really funny or this is really dumb um it just made me think of it immediately and I had to like talk about it. So at one point Hoyd was talking with his dumb, dumb self. Right. And Ulam was making fun of him. He's just like, I once ate a rock whole, but I had to fight its entire family first. Or I, I think he said, I had to fight his entire family first. And when I heard that, I mainly thought like, we don't know what's happening with Rock in the Stormlight yeah. Archives right now. That was... I'm like, did you, did Hoyt do something to Rock? This, honestly... I, and that, that I just like, yeah. I There's, I have, there's like 0% chance that doesn't come up again. Come on. Like, that's what people were saying. They're like, this is too obvious that there has to be some connection. Yeah, here. I once ate an I once ate an entire Rock and I had to fight his whole family to do it. I, I was like, oh God. I, I don't think it'll kill him, but I bet it would be like, uh, like some sort of protection investiture or something like that or like he shrinks him or, or something i don't know <laughs> i could see it being something we haven't seen or done yet yeah because like it's hoyt right it's hoyt and most of his dumb ramblings i feel like so far all of his dumb ramblings have been connected to how he's been in other books like he talks about fashion a whole bunch which mm -hmm. makes me think again stormlight archives and the way that they're so like like wound up in the very beginning of the book series about fashion and showing like nobility and things like that and so like it just makes me think that when i heard that i was like i feel like dumb hoyt is just spitting out his secrets in like incohensive ways like like ways that we just can't understand no the, it, it's funny brandon is really 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 good at like foreshadowing things way ahead of time um we haven't gotten any, even we haven't even touched the stormlight archive but one of my favorite um, or one of my new things that I didn't realize was it talks about how Elicar, like he's, he's, you know, constantly haunted by these things. And there's these, these inhuman faces he sees in the mirror and we were like, holy crap in way of Kings, he was already seeing design. Yeah. 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 Like, like, and you, it's like, a, it sounds like a throwaway line. Like he's haunted by something, you know? Um, but it's like that, and, and it's not even hinted at, like, it's not, he doesn't ever go, Oh yeah, I was totally seeing cryptics this whole time. Yeah. It, so this is one of those things where I'm like, I feel like you won't, people who don't read it and they don't know about it. It's not like they miss out on it, but when you do find out, you're going to be like, Holy crap. Remember when Hoyd was dumb and he said this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, Speaking of, man, you know, quick tangent here. Come on. They had to take Elokar at the perfect point. I thought, oh, yeah. I thought he was coming back around. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, Moash did some things wrong. <laughs> well, watch out. Watch out. We're going to start a Reddit thread war. It's going to be bad. But here's the thing. So another thing I wanted to talk about, right? I've been thinking about. We've been doing our re our read through of Miss Born Again. Mm, well of Ascension right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the mention of Worldbringers, right? Mm-hmm. The terrorist people. Mm-hmm. 
Hoyd refers to himself as a world bringer. Mm-hmm. And then in Stormlight Archives, Xyle, uh, not Xyle. What's, uh, darn it, I can't remember his name. Vasher? No, in, um, in Stormlight Archives, it's one of, one of Kaladin's men. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. The guy who's the apprentice under Hoyd. He's, he's a world, he's a world bringer too. He's a world, they call him a world singer. A world singer. Yeah, so that's oh, the thing. So that's what I was trying to remember. Is that so, so when Hoyd actually said, like, he was a world bringer, I was like, excuse me? Sir, yeah, this yeah. is a Wendy's, but okay, but, yeah. but no, because he's also he was also the terrorist man in um the in the uh, hero of ages that is leading the terrorist people. Mm. It's like a throwaway line, but he's that guy, so he might be a true world bringer. Interesting, interesting, because like that's what I was trying to say. So they call him world singers. Because I was like, yeah, I have. It's been a while since I've read the Stormlight Archive. And I was like, I know they're called the world something. Yeah. And so. So the world singers are the, are the ho- ones that are hopping around worlds. The world bringers are specifically terrorist philo- philosophers. Okay. Okay. Because, yeah, uh, I heard that one and I was like, well, you know, the thing. Okay. So world bringer, right? The world bringer were the ter- terrorist philosophers, right? That that seems so off to me that Hoyt would call himself a world bringer then. I forgot when he does that. Is it is it in Well of Ascension? No, it's not. No, wait, no, he calls himself a world bringer. No, it's in Tress. It's in Tress. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in Tress. He, it's like, uh, it's when he's just talking to the the, the audience. Oh yeah, yeah. He, oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I remember like, him reading I that. I think he says something like, that. like, "I'm a world bringer after all," or something like that. Unless a world singer is like a lower end, you know, of a world bringer, um, or the terrorists, you know, developed the world bringers and they thought it was a specific type of person. My, and something. my, my thought process was. There's a group. There's a group looking for Hoyd, right? There's the seventeenth shard. There's a group looking for Hoyd, right? We don't know. We do not know, unless you know. If if I miss something, point it out to me. We do not know whether or not there is a uh, whether or not there the seventeenth shard has come in contact and has like moved with the ghost bloods at all, right? As far as I know. All right. So what if world? What if World Singer came about from Worldbringer, and that came about from the fact that you know you have the ghost bloods moving around, and Kelsier obviously would know about the terrorist religion. No, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a that's a good point. Because, or I mean, I mean, it could be an oopsie. I have to go look. We know that Brandon can make oopsies. Um, but nah, I, but I don't does make oopsies. But I don't. But I do recall exactly what you're saying, where he said that he was a world bringer, and I was like, "Excuse me," because that was at the same time when I was like, you know, working on the fan fiction, and I was like, "The world bringers are this, and the world singers, you know." No, you're you're right, because the world singers was I think actually founded by Hoyd. I think it's only Roshar that World Singers are on. I, I don't think they they hop planets. I think I don't know if they're with Silverlight. They might be Silverlight. Um, I, I, I again, I, it's one of those things I have to kind of look up. All right, we're, di- we're digressing on the Tress here. Um, any other Tress stuff? Any other Tress stuff? Um, going through it in my head, I don't think there's much more that I want to talk about necessarily. Tress did her first little. I think it's okay. I think it's really cool how they use like the shields and stuff to pull the rosite to grow a certain way, and they like basically use it to pave, uh, pave the rosite as it's growing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. freaking cool. Um, other than that, I don't think I have anything else for Tress right now. We just kind of had some. Uh, we can talk about again. I guess the last thing is Elantrian. The why I think the sorceress is Elantrian. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You didn't really clarify that in this one. So it's again. This is just more of a feeling again. In the very beginning, I thought Elantrian because I thought initially imprinting, but we've never seen someone imprint on someone else, right? 
So if we've never seen someone imprint on someone else, for right now, I'm just going to assume that that can't happen. But as Mistborn and other things have taught us. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, but when I thought about it, I felt like, okay, it might be Cell in a way. I thought about the Irie because I thought about the Irie being a group of Elantrians who have just been chilling out because they fled when the crack happened. They were not in uh, on Cell anymore. They were in, you know... Shadesmar. I'm gonna call it Shadesmar. Yeah, but it, I think it, they have different names for different parts. But, but they they were in they were in Shadesmar. Well, in in, um, in the in the Lost Metal, um, say uh, Harmony says Shadesmar. So I think okay. Shadesmar, Shadesmar. Okay, so they were they were in Shadesmar when that happened, and I'm pretty sure something that happened was that Elantrian they helped uh, in, in the book. Which, by the way, even in Elantris, this guy's laying this down like absolutely <laughs> insane um but the elantrian they helped that they put him in the perpendicularity and he melted back through and he ends up being the lighthouse keeper in stormlight archives um i feel like what happened is the uh, the elantrians were the irie were out there in Shadesmore. this thing happened screwing up all the elantrians on cell that one guy probably came back and was like oh god and then became hoed right mm-hmm. and then that's why he was able to eventually get them to bring him back so the Irie, I think, have been working out and about, running around in Shadesmar for a long time now. They have been looking at for things such as, like, they went to preservation to try to steal that shard when he was dying. And I still don't know. I don't know if they're good guys or not, okay? Because the Irie were going to go take that shard from preservation, but were they, you know, unless I'm forgetting some secret history, were they taking it because they wanted the shard for themselves, or were they taking it because they didn't want, like, it to be destroyed by ruin? You know, I have no idea. I mean, it sure sounded like they were just kind of like, hey, here's an opportunity for us to get a shard, and they were yeah, going to just take it. Which, I mean, you know, does that make them bad people? I don't know. I, I mean, really I really just think they are some a group of people who are just like, we're going to do, you know, whatever we want to get knowledge and things like that. And if you look, view them that way, it would make a ton of sense that they would send someone to every single planet, kind of like Hoyd-like, go to every single planet to start researching all the different ways that Investiture and everything interacts on it. And think about it. You have a, a, a basically a god complex. It feels like the Elantrians on Cell had a god complex already based on mm. the Elantris, right? So you have these people who have a god complex who are going around to every single planet I would think 100% that they would that they could send someone here to do research on spores, to do everything, to continue to do that, and then to see, oh, I need to run experiments, because consistently how they talk about the sorceress likes to do experiments on people. Do experiments on the, the populace there to test out everything, like the, the different spores and such. And then where it comes to the curses, right? We saw that the Elantrians can, you know... They have these really complex spells. I think we got to witness a description of, the, of an Elantrian putting out this complex formula to fix to remend bone to, to fix a broken leg mm-hmm. and when i saw that i went if they can change you because there's not very many forms of magic that we've seen where you can change someone and printing has been the only one mm-hmm. right where you can change a person mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe hemallergy but that's adding an ability not changing you essentially sure. my thought process was that sounds a hell of a lot like a curse to me like it just it sounds like a curse mm-hmm. them writing out this long thing basically saying you can't do any of this you know as long as this happens and then the magic being able to be broken the same way and here's the thing the magic has loopholes and what have we learned about elantris elantrians 
If one of their little geography pieces gets broken, their 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 circle, I'm going to call it, you know, is broken, their magic doesn't work. They can't access door. What if that's how these curses work? They put this circle, you know, I'm air quoting here, mm-hmm. circle on a person. It changes them, but the loopholes are there's going to be something that's going to break the flow somehow that will release it, and you no longer have access to door, and the curse fades. And that's my guess. Oh, I mean... That is my guess. Um, again, I don't have much on that one. I just, I feel like, I feel it deep. Because they call her, they call the person, they call her a sorceress too. And what else seems the most like sorcery? You know, I feel like it's Elantrians. I mean, Allomancy is pretty sorcery. Uh, but I mean, yeah, there's fair a, point, there, fair point. I mean, I'm just saying there's all the magic systems can be like in the right view, have someone, I mean, Ferrochemy. You know what I want to know? All right, and we'll end it right here. Great intro. Great mm-hmm. outro right here. I'm going to hit you with a great one, right? You want to know what I want to know? I want to know what the heck Hoyd did to piss the sorceress off because Hoyd's not someone who's going to accidentally get caught down. So he came to her directly for some reason. And I feel like I'm going to find out in the next episode. Hey, everyone. Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.